The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the O3C Podcast from O3C Games, your marvellous hub for all things gaming. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by Chris Dow. Smash those atoms. And Minty Booth. Featuring the voice talents of Chris Pratt. And we love <laughs> video games. Announcement! Announcement! As you may have noticed from our slightly altered opening sting, our podcast network has undergone a bit of a change, and we are thrilled to be part of exactly the same podcast collective, albeit under a new name in a new home, which is the HyperX Podcast Network. We'll have more news about what this means as the network establishes itself and unfolds over the next few weeks, so stay tuned for updates on that. In the meantime, please do check out our brand spanking new website, o3c.games, where you can find all the podcast episodes covering our top 100 favourite video games of all time, all of the bonus episodes, all of the fantastic special episodes from the third season with an amazing array of special guests. There's all of our incredible video content and video series. There's articles on all kinds of gaming stuff and even, even a review or two. And there's also space on that website if you're looking to support us by more than just listening to the episodes, o3c.games slash support. You can easily share the podcast on your social media networks from there, or you can look at our Patreon page, which has several tiers of pledging with an enormous amount of perks to go along with them. And there's also the option to give a one-off donation to the show if uh, you fancy throwing us a few quid to say thank you, or even fewer quid to say, uh, please stop. (laughs) If you're not in the geographical vicinity, but would like to take us out for a coffee or a beer, then we would absolutely appreciate a little donation that we can put to that use and we'll pop a photo of us enjoying that on our Instagram page. And speaking (laughs) of Instagram, uh, you can also find links to our social media channels on our website, but it's basically just at O3C Games on everything. So find us, follow us, chat to us, and uh, just us. We're there. (laughs) So we're back for episode two of The Addendum. Last week saw us crowbar a game each back into our top 100 lists and say goodbye to uh, a flailing kipper. Just didn't want any more. Just put it in the bin. Just went, nah, nah. And we said, yeah, to three new games, which were, I can't even remember now, Forza Horizon, there was Disco Zoo, and Quick and Crash, the uh, the arcade game with uh, real-life cups. <laughs> uh, <laughs> before we tell you uh, what games we've decided to try and crowbar in this week, we're going to return to chat about what we've been playing this week. Uh, and I- I'm going to start, because I-, I haven't got a huge amount to talk about, because I have basically just played Binding of Isaac Repentance. Oh, that's a surprise. I I know, I know. I really wanted to try and find time at least to slap the rest of the Asterix game, but I haven't. And just Binding of Isaac is just so easy to pick up and just play for five minutes just whilst I've got a video rendering or whilst I have a little pool. (laughs) So yeah, I've just been, I've just been slowly checking through the endings, unlocking the characters, trying my hand at a couple of the new challenges, which are really tough. But the big thing that I did do in the last week is gave co-op a proper go with Mr. Minty Booth. It was me. I was there. Yes. You were. You were bloody here. And uh, you can be there too if you check out the video of that because we filmed a couple of runs. It's over on our YouTube channel. And I must say it was a 
huge amount of fun. It it really takes the edge off the brutality of uh, getting some of the completion marks, even though the game does make, you know, compensations for having more players in the game by making the bosses harder. But that's more than made up for by, to, to be honest, just the sheer moral support that you get from just not being so alone in the game <laughs> like it feels very much like dark souls when uh, you know you manage to summon somebody to come and help you do a boss and there's just a, a just a real weight of relief knowing that there's someone fighting at your side a- absolutely wonderful and yeah i can't wait to do i can't wait to do more of it the game is all about synergies and seeing different items working together different combinations of things and utilizing that and it's now just a whole other area of the game to sort of open my mind to which is like which characters can work well together and and what certain builds with certain characters can complement certain other ones or all kinds of things it's just really really exciting and um yeah hopefully me and minty will find time to do more of those in the coming weeks and we'll certainly be filming them and putting them on our youtube channel if we don't manage to twitch them live but we'll see we'll see minty did you have as much fun as i did please say yes did yes yes (laughs) mostly because uh i didn't die Mm. (laughs) yeah but then you also had health because you weren't playing as the lost that's true yes yes really nice fun time it's good to see that the nintendo switch can not only handle repentance but repentance with two players there were a couple of shudders here and there but it's a remarkable thing that they've done to get it working on that little cardboard box of a console yeah it really is it really is have you played anything else this week minty well i played more repentance at home and you're never gonna guess what else i've been playing oh did you uh, i'm gonna say well you beat me to it this is why we don't do a quiz anymore well it wouldn't matter because you both get a point i have indeed been playing more digimon yay are you on to the spreadsheet run yet minty or are you still chipping away the first play I'm still chipping away at the first play. I am having to uh, to keep myself in check because I know that this is just a playthrough where I am trying to get to the end of the story so that I can unlock all of the good stuff in the new game plus. But I, ha- I have started to regress slightly into spreadsheet light, as it were. I've just been making <laughs> a few notes here and there. A little family tree, perhaps. The, the different stats that you need to get to some of these uh, Digimon that are blacked out that I haven't actually unlocked yet. I'm trying to find a balance where I can actually progress in the game, but also have fun at the same time. This isn't the game where I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the story as much as I am for raising up all of my little digital monsters. So I'm still having a great time with it. And I've nearly got this one that I have been trying to get to for well, a good few weeks now, actually. I've got a level 12 Vegemon. A Vegemon? <laughs> yep. Which I'm going to digivolve into a Digitamamon. And by that time, I should have a high enough ABI score to evolve it into something that I, I don't think I, I've ever seen before, or even know what it is. A Cabbage Patch Kid? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Cabbage Patch Kid Mon. Yeah, so stay tuned. I'm sure there's a Poddington Peamon. <laughs> I'm also playing Paper Mario. The oh, very first yes. Paper Mario. Added to that fantastic expansion pack to the Nintendo Switch Online service. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's slowly becoming worth the money. <laughs> <laughs> little by little. I mean, once Banjo-Kazooie comes, then all will be forgiven by everybody in the world, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, it's just as nice as I remembered. Um, I've just done. I've just beaten the prologue, so I've just gotten the the lucky star. So now we'll see if the input lag will affect uh, this game as much as it did Ocarina of Time. 
But yeah, it's just just nice to go back through it again. I'll be recording it. I think I'm going to do a 100% playthrough. Oh, fantastic. I'm looking forward to watching that. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Chris, how about you? What have uh, what have you played in the last week? Bit of a mixed bag this week. Uh, because of the time of the year, work has been quite intense and difficult in the lead up to Christmas. But also because of the time of year, I've not actually had as much to bring home, if you know what I mean. So I've I've had a little bit more time than I normally would have to play games in the evening, which has definitely been good because I've felt that I've needed a bit of extra decompression time each day over the last fortnight or so. Mm-hmm. I have replayed two games to completion to check if they deserved a place in the revised list. And uh, they do. They're both great. But I'm not going to (laughs) name them just to keep a bit of mystery for some of the shows in this series. But as a little hint, if anyone wants to try and work it out at home, one is a VR game. And one is a game that I talked about in a fair bit of detail on one of our Patreon exclusive episodes last year. So some listeners may, may have an inkling. I also finished all the online trophies of Freedom Wars on the Vita well done. that I mentioned last week. So the, the race was on and I got them done. And although I've now taken a few days break from playing it, I had hit a point where I was starting to actually understand the combat properly and, and was enjoying the whole experience a lot more. Like one of the main gimmicks that I didn't mention last time is that your character has a kind of chain arm attachment thing, which is both a method of traversal as you can lock on and then zip to a location, but also... You can use it as a weapon, which allows you to kind of tether to an enemy and try and drag it to the ground or zip up toward them to, to complete a mid-air flurry of attacks. And for a long while, I, I just didn't know how to use it properly. But it, it feels really good when you start being able to chain these movements and attacks together. And although I don't think it's anywhere near as expansive as the clips I see shared from Monster Hunter Rise, where people are flying across the entire map with some magic sword and whatever combo, I'm still really impressed that this is just a Vita game from a good number of years ago, and there's a huge amount going on, and it it looks and plays really well. The other game I've played quite a lot of is um, Hot Wheels Unleashed on the PS5. Oh, how about and that? I know you were quite interested when it first came out, Jonathan. So it'd be interested to hear your thoughts at the at the end of this, if you uh, if you agree or disagree with anything I've I've felt. But it's it's a really strange racing game, and I I like the feel of the racing itself a lot. It's a drift heavy game. Every vehicle feels tangibly different. Some are light and whippy. Others are very stiff in their turning. Drifting gains boost. Boost helps maintain drifts. You know, it's it's a good system. And it feels a fair bit like the Sonic Racing games, actually, which I was always quite a fan of. But it also has this floaty mid-air control, which you can manipulate using your boost, which is not a million miles away from a niche, odd puzzle racer called Grip Shift that I had on the PSP. Oh, yeah, classic game. I, <laughs> I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. Have a guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it is really good. And I played a lot of it back when that handheld was still fresh. You know, other good points, it's got a nice, reasonably stuffed single-player career mode, uh, Hot Wheels, which I'm enjoying. It does have the odd kind of difficulty spike, but generally, as soon as you upgrade a few vehicles, it's it's good. But what I'm not so sold on is the wider game and the online racing and the Fortnite-style battle pass seasonal event things. And weirdly, like, there's one thing which kind of breaks all these different areas, and it's the game has a track editor, which ends up being a great strength and also a massive weakness simultaneously because it's really nice you can create insane tracks as you might have done with like real hot wheels pieces and cars as a kid and it lets you stimulate that feeling that you may have had when you were young just to see how silly can i make a setup and a car still go around it like 
I didn't have Hot Wheels as a child, but I have really fond memories of using Scalectric's track and attempting to build ramps by propping books under straightaways or making ridiculous, dangerous curves, impossible chicanes, just whatever I could with the bits of track I had. And the goal was always to make the track possible, but because it was a physical thing and I was enjoying just the experience of making it, I didn't mind falling off it a hundred times <laughs> because then when I did nail like a perfect lap, me and my brother were like, yeah, Scalectric's fantastic. <laughs> but... When you're playing a game that is built around weird tracks that sometimes don't work, it doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. And when you play online, the lobby always gives players five tracks to vote on. So you get three proper developer-built tracks from the single-player game and then two community-submitted tracks. And they win the vote almost always because their preview thumbnails look bananas. <laughs> so you you know it's just like a ball of track, like the Sonic R maps of just like reversing gravity and massive loops and corkscrews, giant toy set pieces, all sorts. But they are consistently, like absolutely consistently, no fun to play at all <laughs> because almost every jump is just trial and error to even land. And the way the reset button works is it always places you at the approach to the jump, never after it, until you've touched down on that bit of track. So you can be winning a race quite comfortably and then it can take you 45 goes to get over a little hop. And, and it it's just no fun at all. And the way it works, they have to be finishable because in order to submit a track at all, you have to have driven a lap around it. But just yeah, like I'm Mario Maker, Maker, yeah, just like Mario Maker, the issue is that, you know, your passing run can have needed a frame-perfect bounce off a railing because you only need to get around it once. But when it's then out in the ether, in inside, you know, in the community playlist... There's hundreds of people that have varying levels of skill just like flying off the sides. And it's just, it isn't any fun because then so much of the game's wider progression and the season pass thing and, and everything else is tied to grinding coins and gears, the two sort of currencies the title uses to let you upgrade or get new cars. And I, I'm just losing interest in making progress because there's only so many ninth place or did not finish rankings I can tolerate before I stop <laughs> having fun. And and it could honestly be fixed really easily if the online races were capped to just developer tracks or maybe developer curated community content. So they've had a go and gone, oh, that's quite clever. Let's bung that in. But as it stands, it's making a game I do actually enjoy lose all of its luster because the end game stuff is so much about just, I don't know, working your way through these kind of like little daily challenges and stuff like that. And it's always tied to these horrible tracks that are just an absolute misery to play. So yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't really know how to review it. It's I like it, but at the same time, I, I absolutely despise it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like most things where it's really, really good until other people get involved. Yeah. Um, and then people <laughs> ruin everything. Yeah. I never even had a go at playing online. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't see the appeal of, of, of doing that. I was really intrigued by it because it had incredible reviews. Like IGN gave it like nine out of 10. So I was like, wow, you know, this, this, really must be something and and you know i've spoken before i even spoke last week about forza like I'm, I'm not a huge racing game fan there needs to be something it needs to be really fun for me to enjoy it like mario kart or like say cruise and blast that i had a fantastic time playing yeah and i thought that from what i'd seen hot wheels unleashed looked like it was going to be uh really playing with that sense of scale like micro machines or something like that which is i, I love micro machines because it was really fun to be little and drive around things that were big <laughs> but i just found yeah I, I don't know i just found the core mechanics it was like, like you said it was, it was good and it was fine and it worked and it was balanced well but it just wasn't i don't know it just didn't give me that real sense of like oh it was really fun i just didn't get that sense playing it 
there wasn't the sort of variety that I wanted to see. I did just come off playing Cruise and Blast, so, you know, I wasn't expecting to see, like, a UFO crash through <laughs> the Houses of Parliament or whatever, but a bit more variety and a bit more fun and a bit more playing with that sense that, you know, you were small, I think would have been, yeah... It just felt, really felt like it was it was it was missing that. But then it's it possible that I just hadn't got to more of that in the game. But then also I just didn't, you know, it felt like I was just playing, I was just checking off missions on like just the same boring tracks for so long that I was just I just can't be bothered. I can't be bothered if if this is what it takes to get to the stuff that's interesting. Then ah, trade it back in. I think you're right though. <laughs> the, the kind of the micro machines sense of scale. It's there, but quite it's quite limited in how often it's actually used in the track designs. Yeah. So, like, midway through the career, you get one where it's like, oh, I'm driving along a sofa for a minute before I get back on the track. Yeah. But it's it's really sparing in, in how often that actually pops up. That's such a shame. And the majority of the time, it's just, it's more about, you know, the branded Hot Wheel track, all this neon orange stuff and the, the magnetic roads and everything that you see on Christmas adverts. Yeah. That's kind of the the main thing. In the same way, you know, the Lego movie was essentially an hour and a half advert for Lego. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, this is a racing game, but at the heart of it is saying, look at these little die-cast toys and, and look at all these tracks you can probably buy at Argos. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And what it is, is uh, a game. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. Words to live yeah. by. Yeah, I think so. So, shall we move on to the main chunk? Yeah. The chunk... To end all chunks. Uh, it's not true. We're going to do many more of these chunks. First chunk. I'm going to stop saying chunk now. <laughs> Let's find out what games we're going to try and crowbar into our lists this week. Starting, as we do, with Minty. Minty, what is your second amendment? Okay, well, I've mentioned several times on this podcast that my wife and I love doing those uh, those really crap free point and click games you can get on uh, iOS and Androids the ones with the really the really rubbish animations the, the shite collectibles and the incredibly bad cutscenes now they mostly revolve around the same five or six puzzles with a different coat of paint in each game alongside various locked doors chests and grates needed to be unlocked using the stupidest combination of items known to man like, oh, you need to catch a piranha because there's a key at the bottom of its tank. Well, you can't <laughs> use this fishing rod. You need to use that with a magnet attached to scoop up a small yet potent battery to electrocute the fish. That makes um, makes far more sense. Stuff like that. <laughs> Catherine always skips past the cutscenes, which it does upset me a little, but <laughs> I guess we're, we're, we're playing these games for different reasons, I suppose. Like... I, I I want to know a little bit, bit about just why I'm trying to lure a dog away from a beehive using a pie. <laughs> she just wants to solve the puzzles. Um, we usually take turns playing, and uh, by that I mean I get handed the tablet when she's stuck, and <laughs> I really like playing them with her. But of course, we can't be adding the concept of point and click to my list. That would be very silly. So I'm adding one that I talked about a, uh, wow, a good few months ago now. A slightly more polished offering than something like, I don't know, fucking Ancient Ruin 5, Treasure of the <laughs> Creepy King, or whatever. I'm adding a charming little game from Homebear Studio to my list, which is Nairi Tower of Shirin. Oh, oh yes. yes. I'm be playing that. Yeah. I bought it because of the sheer amount of point and clickers that we played together, and it led me to think, well, if it's on console, then surely we're both going to love it. It's going to do everything, the, the, the crap we play on the iPad, a whole load better, right? 
Well, yes and no. I mean, it was absolutely weighted towards my enjoyment, with the ratio of storytelling to puzzling leaning towards the former quite heavily, which did upset Catherine a little bit because she really loves to plough through those cutscenes, I have to say. I could, <laughs> I could barely keep up. She reads so much faster than me as well. I don't think she was actually reading them at all at one point. I think she was just like, I just want to get to the next puzzle. We didn't have to end up in couples therapy or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I, I just enjoyed it more than she did. But anyway, you play a little girl called Nairi who is escaping a, some sort of big bad government coup that swept up her parents, who are these high-ranking officials. As she escapes, she gets picked up by bandits, earns their trust and even their friendship. And she helps keep the place tidy and does odd jobs and uh, becomes, a, becomes a little part of their gang. And then after that, she sets off with a former master thief to uncover the mysteries of the Tower of Shirin, a place of some importance in the story. I think you'll find. <laughs> uh, I'll say no more because um, because you skipped all of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was it was not terribly long. So anything that I could say about it would be quite a substantial plot point. So I'll just say that it is a lovely little story, and I was pleased to discover part of a series the next part of which is coming out next year, I, I can see online. The dialogue, really well written, the art style is charming, and the characters are really lovely and fleshed out very well. There's a nice little dog I was quite taken by. Not a main character or anything, just a just a happy little friend in the background of a few scenes that looks like they're just having a really nice chat with their friends. <laughs> oh, Minty, you are so you, aren't you? <laughs> I, I just love anthropomorphic animals in joining that sort of nice little cutesy style. So, oh, of course, everybody's on two legs. So, oh, who have we got? Oh, there's a bird there. Brilliant. When you said a government coup, did you just mean an official pigeon? <laughs> Sorry, I meant to say, I meant... <laughs> So, yes, this game, it's short. You can blast through it in about four hours if you're my wife and don't care about the story at all, like some puzzle-solving fiend. But there is enough story and dialogue to keep you going for a good few hours more, if you like that sort of thing. Puzzles aren't esoteric either, which I like. Uh, most of the challenges you come up against are within the realm of sensible possibility. Like, you'll find a hammer, and then you will use it to, wait for it, hammer things. A sword will cut some fabric. There is an aspect of, of magic in the game as well, so you will come across a glowing orb or two, but they've got very obvious pedestals, and they do uh, cool things like open up doorways and all the rest of it. It's. I'm really. I really like it, and I'm really excited for part two as well. And I like that it's short enough that it will be no trouble at all to remind myself of the previous events of this game when it does come out. In terms of placement, Whoa. going back to the uh, the rules I've set upon myself, the patented minty method. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't enjoy it more than Turok, but maybe when the series wraps up and we get a, like a complete edition, we can play through the whole thing in one go. I'll place it much much higher. But for now, I'm just going to do a straight swap with the wonderful 101. I'm afraid. Ah, uh, the mediocre 101. Yeah, straight <laughs> yeah. swap there. So I'm going to place it number 85, part one of the Nairi saga for me. Pick it up. It's nice and cheap and it's low energy, high rewards. It's lovely. Top stuff. So it's ending up below Disco Zoo? Yes, yes. But once, like I said, once the complete edition comes out, I'll probably put it even higher than Turok. We'll never know. Well, ne well we, hopefully we will know. Hmm. I like the fact that you like point-and-click games. It's a sort of genre that I really, really liked when I was a kid. I think that was established by playing Myst and Riven on the Saturn, mm. even though I didn't understand them and I couldn't solve the puzzles because 
either they were too obtuse or uh, my mind was too acute. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it didn't, didn't, didn't work. Uh, I think my love for point-and-click games comes from the fact that uh, my that my parents used to get a load of educational ones for for me and my sister when the computer when we first got the computer. I have a very very distinct memory of uh, like an yeah it was essentially like an educational point and click game and you were in like ancient Rome and there was a bit where you had to make like a duplicate wax seal out of something to gain entry that's all I can remember of it oh but I love that I'm gonna yeah. I, I should really find out what 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 that was I'll tell you something speaking of point and click games I've been going at well, as, as we, we all have been going back through my list sort of reappraising all the games that are on there and i was reflecting upon a game that was in my list which was machinarium which is a point and click yeah game. oh yeah and i don't think it's a game that you've played have you minty no but i do have the the ability to very easily because it's on uh, it's, it's on our it's on our house laptop oh is it now yeah yeah there we go i think that mrs minty will enjoy it there's probably not much skippable cutscenes but that's because there isn't any dialogue really a lot of it is done wordlessly and it's beautifully drawn and animated and there's charm to boot and loads of little lovely background details that i think you'd enjoy beautiful music and fantastic puzzle as well i think you'd have a wonderful time playing it and i i hope that you you uh you take this recommendation um bloody seriously mm. well i feel like i have to now mm. so over to me. Here's a question for you, gents. What are the big Switch exclusive games? You got your Mario's. You got there's your Zelda's. Mario, there's a bit of Zelda. You got your Smashing Brothers. There's, there's, there's the Smashing Fellows. The Driving Lads. Yes, yes the Driving <laughs> Fellows. Oh, cool robot lady. I think her name's Metroid. <laughs> and Astral Chain. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a game, wasn't it? For some reason, I think this game has been, obviously as proved here, hugely overlooked by most people, uh, despite it being an incredibly tight action-adventure game with very, very refined platinum games, hack-and-slash controls uh, and combat. It's got the most incredible world that is veritably dripping with lore and detail. And uh, also, I would have a stab that it's probably the best-looking and best-performing game on the Nintendo Switch. Now, I remember it being uh, revealed, thinking it looked really, really cool. I'd had a great time with Bayonetta 1 and 2, and it seemed like, you know, this was in a similar vein, but with a very different identity. And I was also absolutely certain I was going to pick it up on launch day, even though I don't know anyone else that got it or indeed played it. But it is an absolutely superb game. So you play as a detective working for a special police force in this uh, dystopian future Earth in about 50 years in the future where humanity's on the edge of extinction. There's some absolute mad shit at work with these interdimensional beasts called Chimera. Uh, they're basically traveling from the astral plane to Earth to fuck things up and bring <laughs> uh, corrupting red matter with them, which then causes further devastation. Uh, but the police force have basically mastered the technology to to tether these chimera. Um, and, and when they're tethered, they're called legions. And you tether them to uh, a detective uh, by way of the titular astral chain, a physical and psychic link, which then allows you to use the different uh, legions uh, for, for different things in and out of battle. Sort of like a fusion between ride Pokemon and the blades in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And 
each of these familiars have a really, really cool aesthetic, lots of varied and fun movement and attack mechanics linked uh, to them. So it's, it's always exciting when you get to use a new one. And then there's sort of like a, a Metroidvania edge to exploring then with like your new Legion's ability uh, that then allows you to access different areas using those abilities. And the story of the game is brilliant. Like it's it's always nice when you're playing a detective because that means you're going to be in for lots of twists and turns. And there are lots of twists and turns in this detective story. Uh, and that's playing through the heart of it. But the, the world and the lore of this universe is, is so well established. It, it baffles me that there haven't been further games in the series or like a spin-off anime series because it it's so fully fleshed out. Like every single character you meet has interesting dialogue and the police station which is you know sort of serves as a, a bit of a sort of hub area is just brimming with life and there's all the different departments and you can just 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 go around and talk to the cleaner or like the the mascot who's this dog um who's excellent uh, or you know it's just every everyone's got something to say and a different personality and like all the other areas you go to in the game are so well realized and I, I, like I said, I genuinely can't believe how well the game performs on the Switch. It's absolutely incredible. I, and I, I played most of the game in handheld, I think. And it was quick to load, smooth to play. You know, just how I like my games and my peanut butter. <laughs> quick to load. <laughs> but this is a Platinum Games game. game. So obviously the combat is what they're really hanging their hat on because, you know, they're building off an incredible back catalogue of brilliant action games like Bayonetta and Devil May Cry and Nier Automata. And as is typical with some of these games, you can get through a lot of the fights by just having a good stab at pulling off some combos, panicking and smushing all the buttons and just hammering the occasional trigger. And then the most incredible series of moves and balletic movements will unfold in front of your eyes and make you feel like you definitely orchestrated all of it. But the addition in this game of having like the tethered legion monsters and the alternate fighting styles and different weapons just all linked together so seamlessly. It was, oh, it was endlessly satisfying to blitz my way through everything. You'd finish a fight and you'd just go, God, Skeletrics! Yeah. Like, it's it's <laughs> such a good game. <laughs> I initially thought that it might be a game that sort of disappeared into my memory after I played it because I, 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 I loved it. And as is my way, when I love something, I play through it very, very quickly. But I, I've, I've often recommended it when people say oh, i'm getting a switch what game should i get yeah you can bank on them getting super mario odyssey and breath of the wild but get astral chain like you're not going to play that on anything else and i imagine that i'll play it again sometime because i've dredged up some old memories that i must say <laughs> have made me think about some things <laughs> and I, I know that it will look really really tasty on the oled screen oh yeah mm, yeah and uh, yeah, I'm quite intrigued to, to play it again because it's, yeah, it's just brilliant. I can't recommend it highly enough. So where's it going and what's getting the boot? I hear you ask. Well, I've been trying to get ahead of myself a bit, save myself from, you know, getting backed into a corner. So I've been going through my list, trying to vaguely plot out where all these games I'm going to talk about are going to go. And I must say, I've had a phenomenally hard time trying to find 20 odd games to ditch off my list. And I'll say I've made some potentially controversial choices, which I'll come to another week. But in the meantime, I'm going to get rid of Lemmings, which was in at number 91 on my list. As a bit of extra trivia for you, Lemmings was 
I think possibly the last game I added to my list because I'd totally forgotten about it. And I shafted Sega Rally straight out of my list to make room oh, for it. Oh, God. That's the controversial I bit. I know, I know. Sega, Sega Rally gets the boot for Lemmings. Well, yeah, well now, because I've, well, I revisited Lemmings in the form of the PSP remake. Yeah. Which was really, really lovely. And whilst the first 20 levels were really good fun, the remaining 60 or so in the harder difficulties were really annoying and not enjoyable. <laughs> and uh, to couple that with the fact that the Game Boy port ran like absolute trench means that it's making way for astral chain which is uh, going to come in a, a couple of places above for horizon and it's going to come one above athlete kings it's down in the mid 90s and i, I realized that enchanting another game in above means that the number i had forza at last week shunts that down by one and that's a pattern that's going to repeat until we finish these amendments yeah so I'm just going to say it's in the mid-90s for now, but it's possible that it'll be slightly lower down once I clear more space and shuffle things around even more. And who knows, if I get around to playing it at some point in the next 20 weeks, then uh, I, I may have to change it again and, and shove it up right up. <laughs> so childish. <laughs> Chris, what is your second amendment? My game today, I honestly don't think any media outlet on the planet has covered as extensively as we have between the three of us, <laughs> because it is that plucky indie keyboard dungeon crawler, Backspace Buchan, oh, by hey, our pals at RNG yes. Parties. Yeah. Now, I really like weird games, and I've talked about loads of weird games since we started the show, but the combination of a typing-controlled dungeon crawler is up there with one of the weirdest, for sure. <laughs> like... It's probably my favourite PC game I've played since I got my super gaming laptop a year and a half ago. Brilliant. And yet it would probably run reasonably comfortably on an off-the-shelf £200 workbook. Like, do you remember those ThinkPad laptops that had the little rubber nub you could use in place of a mouse? That, oh, that, that yeah. basically operated oh, God, like the new the 3DS C-Stick. It felt horrible, but that, yeah. that machine from that era would probably run this game no problem, is what I'm saying. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's not a tech showcase. But it is a genuine showcase for ingenuity in game development. And, you know, when we when we talk to the team, you, you can feel that this game had game jam roots. You know, so many developers that take part in those weekend or week-long events start from an initial simple idea, like a peanut butter and jelly sort of dichotomy. Smooth and quick to load. <laughs> and it's really clear here that RNG took two completely opposing genres, whipped up a batter, and then tried to see if it was worth a toss. <laughs> like... That the final product is this fleshed out is just such a joy to see. And we've covered it in a lot of detail through our own weekly thoughts way back when. Also, we did our whole Typing of the Sense season three special where we chatted to Ben and Peyton. But I, I wanted to recap some of my favorite bits from this little game. The spaces within a sentence being your combat ammunition, I suppose, is still Brilliant. such a clever idea that it makes me smile just thinking about it. And that, you know, you get into that routine of, of finding signs in the dungeon to then backspace out and, and collect their spaces from, you know, in order to kind of reload, essentially. It's just such a tactile way to interact with the interface. Just really lovely stuff. Having to use conjunctions to save your spaces makes you think totally different about every encounter because you're always conscious of your typing speed because you want to take down enemies before they can attack you. But when you're then scanning a sentence for words like you are to shorten to your, 
again, it's, it's just such a joy and it, it properly makes you consider what you're reading and what's being presented to you as, as part of the story, which is why the writing throughout is so good as well. It's really funny. It's really mm. strongly written. And whereas you may skip dialogue, or at the very least skim dialogue in a regular sort of dungeon crawling RPG, just because you get used to that habit of just hammering the next button and just catching the gist, every phrase in Backspace, you have to engage with it properly because you are typing along with it. Every every letter that is spoken, you are typing back. You're typing back. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned in our tech special that the games like Epistory were fine, but your engagement with the text was just typing single disconnected words. And and whilst that works in something like Typing of the Dead, because the absurdity of the genre mashup carried the experience through, in an RPG, if you're if you're really doubling down on the keyboard being your interface, you have to do a bit more. And and I think Backspace Buchan goes utterly above and beyond in that regard, just top stuff. I also really like that the the difficulty of the game is set organically by your first typing encounter. So if yeah. if you struggle through that first gatekeeper enemy with sort of one finger typing like GPs do at surgeries, the overall difficulty <laughs> is then lowered and the combat timers and windows are all extended. Whereas if you fly through it like Mavis Beacon, the difficulty is pushed for the rest of the experience, which for me made the final boss a genuine threat and challenge. Like it, it took me quite a few goes because I'm, I'm a decent mm. touch typist. And it, it became very much like a rod for your own back situation when I got stuck on that final encounter just because I've done so well the first first bit I started. And finally, just just the vibe of the whole game is, is immaculate. Like the music is great throughout. Yeah. The art is, is chunky and functional, but it gives off a real Doom RPG vibe. You know, I, I mentioned that silly game in our Honourable Mentions episode at the tail of last season. And as much as I did that in, in quite a flippant way because my memory was a bit hazy, I have now at least corroborated some of those memories via youtube videos and it it does have a similar look and feel you know you've got kind of flat 2d sprites as as enemies and npcs with a sort of 3d world around you and it it does i don't know it just links something in my head for that overall it's it's just a really strong game and i'm really pleased that i stumbled upon it like the steam storefront is even more of a wild west than the eShop these days and i'm almost (laughs) convinced RNG would not have found that much cut through with this title, which is it's just a real shame because I'd, I'd really implore everyone to give it a try because it's just such a different experience to almost anything else you've likely played. At full price, it is absolutely worth the 12 quid that it is asking for on Steam. But if you are on the fence, you know, we're coming up to Christmas, it will very likely be reduced over the holiday period as with everything on Steam. So do give it a go. You know, if you see it for a fiver and you think, yeah, I've heard of that because of us <laughs> do give it a go because yeah it's really really good in terms of where it would go on the list i'm gonna say goodbye to toe Geminel 2 panic on funkatron um. which originally i placed at 97 and for the moment as you've mentioned jonathan who knows where these things are going to end up in a few weeks i'm going to whack backspace Buchan essentially right there just above pugsy which is an almost equally experimentally strange game Toe Geminel 2 always stood out to me when I was younger because of its aesthetics, but playing it now, it's essentially just a pretty vanilla platformer that's got pretty sludgy controls. It doesn't perform that well. And, and whilst I still love it, I think if I was going to sit down to play a Toe Geminel game today, I'd probably go back to the original game with its odd proto-roguelike gameplay because it's just a bit more interesting to play, even if it isn't to look at. Regardless though, Backspace makes the list. It's a very good video game. And... Uh, yeah, I just, I feel quite good that I feel like we found it. I feel like we've done like a public service to at least let a few more people know that this is something worth playing that's different and, you know, just, it's worth a pop. 
I absolutely agree. And uh, I'm still like, I I really want to find a place for it in my list. I think we, we said, we both said, um, I think all three of us said that it would be in our revised top hundreds when we played it. And, and it wasn't just because we were talking to Ben and Peyton from <laughs> RNG Party and just hearing you talk about some of the things that I'd forgotten about, just like the use of conjunctions and just remembering some of the, the brilliant puns yeah. that come in and also difficulty obstacles that are thrown at you when the enemies are deliberately speaking in like a, a different accent. So you have to really be careful <laughs> about how you type the... It's, it's so, so clever. And I'm going to have to find another game to get rid of because I'm, I'm determined to put it in there. And probably around about the same the same sort of place. Yeah. I'm going to... Okay, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna dump Clockwork Knight 2 oh! off the bottom of my list. It's gone. Which is a great game, but also I haven't played it since then. So it's probably not that good. It's not. <laughs> and- <laughs> I, can, I can quite confidently tell you that. Because do you remember when we first started the show after episode one, I had this bizarre idea i was going to try and play through every game that anyone mentioned <laughs> yeah oh that lasted a week but i did beat clockwork <laughs> night not clockwork night too but I, I played the first oh, game yeah and they are much of a muchness well that's good to know that's good to know because yeah i'm 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 thrilled to to whack backspace bouquet in then just ooh, does it go above or below astral chain i'm gonna pop it just below i'm gonna pop it just below but there it is there it is it's done official it's in, it's in. yeah so there we go. Those are our second amendments. First of all, we had... It was Nairi, Tower of Shirin. Then we had the fantastic Nintendo Switch exclusive Astral Chain. Before finally... The oddball that is Backspace Buchan. And then as a bonus, we had Backspace Buchan. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode or indeed any of our episodes, please do share the podcast on your social media channels and chat with us on ours. We are on pretty much everything at O3C Games. Tell us what you're playing. Tell us what you think of these games. Give us ideas for future episodes or questions that you might like us to answer either on a future episode or write an article about on the website or a game you might like us to review. Let us know. We'll be happy to at least consider that. If you're really enjoying what we're doing, check out patreon.com slash O3C games and have a look at some of the perks you can get in exchange for pledging some pennies of support and you can also engage with us individually if you fancy I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn I'm still at Chaz underscore Hodges and I am always Clement underscore Boo and please do join us next week where we will be bringing you your next bonus episode because guess what guys what? what? It's Christmas. Oh, Christmas. It's Christmas. And when have we not get done a Christmas special? Never. We've never not done a Christmas special. So we're doing a Christmas special. It's going to be fun. We're going to riff on a Christmas carol. We're going to get all Dickensian. Uh, possibly. <laughs> Just thinking, I could write the whole script like Charles Dickens. No, I can't. Why? Not Charles Dickens. Also, don't want to. But it's going to be great. We're going to be talking about um, the, the games of Christmas past, Christmas present and Christmas future. And uh, it's going to be a real treat. And we can't wait to do that and see you there. Skill extra. <laughs> <laughs>